Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome to the Tag Team Podcast, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good, good friend, J.W. Crewall. J.W., how's it hanging today? Uh, it's hanging pretty well, Riley. Just uh, having a couple of days, you know, well, more like a week with uh, <laughs> my wife, just hanging out, doing the things that we like to do, play board games, watch, you know, films. Uh, For sure. Do Bible studies. I don't know. It just a lot of a lot of good time has been spent these last couple of weeks. So how about you? What's going on with you? I know you were a little bit uh, of a workaholic last night. Yeah, I was just trying to get a lot of stuff done before the new year because um, we have yeah. some like development deadlines that are coming up. Yeah. Um, so I worked pretty late yesterday, but um, I worked. I had all of last week off, which was really nice, and I have the rest of this week off, which is nice. Um, so you know, kind of getting some rest in there to make up for it. Um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of funny that you know we've been so consistent, and then last week we had talked about you know. We'll be back, or two weeks ago, we were like back at the same time, same place, and then we were not, and then also again this week we are delayed. <laughs> it's just very funny how consistent we can be, and then and then right at the end of the year we kind of like trip up at the finish line. But still, every single Thursday you can count there being an episode out. So <laughs> that's I true. I think that's, that's still true. something to speak for. Absolutely. <laughs> so how was your Christmas, man? Did you get anything fun or exciting? Um, not particularly. The older you get, I think the less you should expect. I yeah. think that goes without saying. And, you know, I, it seems to be pretty frequently that I'll get some type of sock or some type of underwear. <laughs> and this year was no different. Did get a pair of socks from my parents-in-law. The funny thing was that I was also getting like, I got like a bar of soap, Ooh. which was like a designer bar of soap. So I'm not, Very you know, nice. I'm not. I'm not mad about it. It's just, you know, it's kind of interesting to see the progression. Kind of fix of, up your smell a little bit. Well, that's, I know. I was like, hey, I need to like not take offense to this because I'm <laughs> sure that they, I'm sure that there's no ulterior meaning behind this. But <laughs> um, yeah, so I got a bar of soap. Let's see. I got the, I guess the biggest thing, the best thing that I did get, which wasn't actually an intended Christmas gift, but at my, uh, parents-in-law's house they had this old xbox that had not been used it was an xbox 360 uh-huh. just like hadn't been used apparently it was like a gift uh, at a car dealership or something where <laughs> you know you buy a car and they give you you know some prize you spin the wheel or something and they give you a prize so they had this xbox 360 hadn't really been played had been signed into like maybe one time to create a profile and <laughs> it was just sitting down in their basement and you know, I found it. And I was like, Hey, is anyone using this? And they're like, no, you can have it. And so I guess that would be my <laughs> best gift. That's kind of cool. Even intended for me. So yeah, I was able to pick up some uh, games the other day, picked up Skyrim. So I'm going to go enjoy that probably later today. Yeah. Assassin's Creed two is on the 360 as well. Uh, that game is really good. That's, probably, that's I, like I my favorite Assassin's that. Creed game, I think. Okay. Yeah. I, Cause as somebody that's never, I've never owned an Xbox and my, limited interaction with xbox has been primarily through sports games sure you know, FIFA yeah. and nhl and things like that so do you have any recommendations you said assassin's creed 2 again i i don't have any experience with you know the elder scrolls or the the assassin's creeds or or the gods of war or anything like that 
A God of War is on the PlayStation. Oh, is that PS2? Okay, okay. <laughs> no, I'm thinking Gear. Oh, Gears of War, maybe. Gears of War is on the Xbox. I've never played the Gears of War games. I only I only had the 360 out of all the Xboxes. Okay. Um, but primarily I used it as like a Modern Warfare machine, which isn't really, um, you know, there's no online for it now, so it doesn't really make sure. sense. But Assassin's Creed was a really good game. I played the Final Fantasy game. The Final Fantasy 13 um, mm. was pretty fun. Um, there was a couple other games. The Connect games are actually really fun, but you need to connect to do that. <laughs> yeah, kind of not feeling that. <laughs> but they are fun if you like. If you enjoy like the the Wii kind of Just Dance stuff, the sure. Connect versions are like better versions of that. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. What did you get, Riley? Um, not a lot either. You know, and just like you, you know, getting little trinkets for my parents and. That's just enough to make me happy. Um, they did find me some of those mega constructs, um, like Pokemon sets, which is kind of cool. Um, so th they got me like a larger Pikachu set, and then they got me a smaller set, which was like a collection of smaller Pokemon, but they each came in a Pokeball. And it was like, oh, there was one in a Great Ball, there was one in a Luxury Ball, there was one in a Pokeball, obviously. So that was pretty cool. Um, okay. I like the Pokeball is probably the best out of it because it was like really neat to have all the different Pokeballs. Sure. Um, so other than that, though, you know, it's pretty it's like standard fare. I got a bunch of clothes this year. Um, I, um, for those of you who aren't aware, like I've been trying to bulk up a lot the past year. Um, so it's like I don't fit as well into the smalls that I used to wear. I'm more of like a medium or a large now, depending on the brand. Um, so. <laughs> a lot of the i'm like trying to revamp my wardrobe very slowly because it's very expensive to, to revamp your wardrobe yes. um yes. so my parents kind of gave me a little stimulus package there they got me some sweatshirts and some oh that's that's stuff. really nice yeah and and it's uh it can be kind of tough also um buying for yourself because at least for me i'm always second guessing whether or not i actually like the purchase that i'm making and so to just have been gifted something I, yeah. you know, it takes all that guesswork out of like, do I actually really enjoy this? You know, <laughs> do I not? You know, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm definitely pretty frugal myself. I have to like feel pretty yeah. confident in something to buy it. Right, yeah. exactly, exactly. But overall, successful Christmas, and of course, just you know, spending time with people who matter is always a good, a good fare. Sure. Um, speaking of Christmas, I wanted to take a quick second here. If you're listening to this and it is still Thursday, the 31st of 2020, you still have time to enter our giveaway here for the um, Zashin V battle deck plus the trainer toolkit. So if you haven't entered yet, be sure to go to Twitter, check out tag team Pokemon and retweet and like that tweet there so you can be entered into the giveaway it's a free to enter giveaway all you have to enter do is give your retweet and like and follow um, and we're excited to give this out so again this ends tonight the 31st at midnight eastern so get your entries yeah. in now it should be great for someone that maybe has played a lot online but maybe doesn't have you know the in-person cards yet uh, is looking to maybe play in person if they have a store that's running, you know, in-person events or if they're, uh, you know, just playing around the house. So it should be a great little thing for those that, you know, maybe play online a lot, but don't really have the cards for current standard. Yeah. And a lot of these cards should be ones that are pretty like sustainable long-term as well. Even if you don't get out playing for a while, Zashian obviously will be a staple in standard for years to come. The Dene will be a staple in expanded for years to come. ADP probably as well will be a staple in expanded. So 
you know, definitely you want to get your hands on these. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of ADP, perfect transition <laughs> <laughs> over into our next topic today. Limitless finally took the plunge, JW. They they did. It's been a very interesting last week where Limitless announced that they would be um, officially, at least for the foreseeable future, banning ADP from any of their events. Yeah, and so if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that ADP being banned has been kind of a discussion point ever since rotation. Um, you know, Azul really championing that movement early on into the format, but still it's been an ongoing discussion this entire time here. Um, yep. And Limitless finally said, hey, let's let's try it out. And so they announced let's that see what happens. for a yeah. month coming here that they're going to have ADP ban in their events and it's going to be like a trial run. And from there, if it is largely successful, they maybe will continue to ban it. Um, or if it's maybe unsuccessful, they'll take it away. They had a really great write-up uh, kind of explaining their decision. I think it goes over like a lot of the talking points that we've had on the podcast and you know, you've seen over Twitter, but it was really eloquently put. Um, so if you're unfamiliar with some of the logic there, I recommend checking it out. It's really centers around, you know, how does ADP interact with the format? What kind of games does it have? Um, and I, right. it makes a lot of sense in on paper. So JW, what are your thoughts around this ban here? I mean, this is a pretty big deal. ADP has been the most popular deck at pretty much every event since the format started. Yeah, and I mean, we're seeing a slight shift away from it recently, but it certainly has been uh, an absolute force, uh, pretty much the entirety of this format, like you said. I would expect not a ton to change early on. I mean, you still look at a deck like Picaram, um, you know, Blacephalon, uh, Eternatus, all being those kinds of decks that can really hold their own pretty much against anything. So I, I honestly, like my initial impression is that it probably doesn't shake things up too much just because of how strong and powerful those decks are. And the fact that um, a lot of those decks can go fairly toe to toe with one prizers. So for instance, if you're playing an Eternatus deck, you know, you have the option to put in uh, an elevated uh, spirit tomb count or an elevated, sure. um, you know, Eveltal count, right? So where you're going to be a little bit more easily able to trade into the, um, you know, one prize that your opponent might play, right? And then if they're not playing something fighting, then, you know, presumably your Eternatus could take two, maybe three knockouts uh, before that one prize deck could, um, you know, knock you out in response. So I... And then Pikaram, you look at it with the with the tag bolt being very good at kind of disrupting the opponent if they're playing some kind of evolution or one prize deck. Um, I just don't see it making like a huge impact. Certainly early on, I think people will stay with kind of what they know. And then it'll be interesting to see how it does change and evolve. I just would suspect that I, I would my initial hunch is just that there's not going to be a huge, huge difference between a format with ADP and a format without ADP, just because of how good the other decks are um, that aren't, you know, named ADP. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's tough, right? Cause the other decks that are already meta are so powerful. Um, yeah. It's not like those are going away and all of a sudden you're going to be able to play whatever rogue deck you want. Um, that has horrible matchups against any of those decks. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I agree with right. that to an extent. 
Um, I thought it was really interesting. You know, we had a couple months back. We had the one tournament where ADP was banned, or like a couple of tournaments, and it was always some wacky deck that ended up winning. There was like Mad Party ended up winning it once, Santa Conda ended up winning it once. Um, but I almost feel like that was a product of just the fact it was a one-time thing. Uh, so people wanted to play something goofy, almost that they thought lost to ADP. Um, and specifically, I'm thinking of like. You know, Santa Con and Mad Party are kind of decks that have a little bit of a rougher time against ADP, especially the way Mad Party was built at the time. Um, that you know, I don't really know if their success is sustainable. You know, Santa Con relies on getting a stage two and play on turn two, yeah, um, or right. you lose. Um, and Mad Party has obviously got just some inherent inconsistencies. It is very fun, of course, and right. pretty powerful in the grand scheme of things, but um, I don't know, it just felt like those were almost uh more responding to the fact that ADP was banned and just wanted to, people wanted to try out their new stuff while they could. Um, sure. Whereas I feel like almost inverse to what you said, I think people will early on try and do new things as much as possible. But then when okay. they find out like the tried and true is still what's successful, they'll end up like gravitating towards that more. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose it kind of, yeah, digs into like what people's psyches, what people are feeling. Um, I've just have been noticing a trend of players right now, you know, where, you know, you're saying, well, maybe earlier in the format ADP was the most played. I mean, if we look at some of the most recent tournaments, um, you know, it's more like Picaram, Eternatus, uh, even Lucario Melmetal are some of the most played decks right now as opposed to ADP. So I think, you know, just on that alone, like people are already shifting away from ADP and that mindset there. And so I guess that's two different ways of coming about the same problem, right? Where it's like, what is going to happen? I, I suppose one of us will be right. So we'll have to see who it is. But uh, yeah, it's certainly an interesting kind of proposition here to just take it out of the format entirely. I know a lot of people are kind of shifting away from it, but to just take it out of the format entirely. And um, posing it back to you, Riley, what do you think are some of the decks that are maybe uh, inhibited so much by the fact that ADP exists that when it gets removed from the format, they can really thrive. Sure. So I think primarily we have to look at slower strategies and one prize decks as like the two yep. groups of decks to look at. Um, yep. So when I think of slower strategies, control decks are obviously one that springs to mind. Um, you know, decks that are trying to plow through their whole deck and use Excadrill or you know, some other means of disrupting your opponent continuously, um, those can't really deal with ADP. Um, I guess even right. Seeking is a deck that will <laughs> struggle in the face of ADP. Um, right. But, you know, primarily I'm thinking of more like Excadrill and Scoop Up Neck kind of um, focused decks. I think those sure. actually might be able to find a niche for themselves. They're definitely really good sure. against um, Eternatus. I don't know how they'll fare against uh, Pigarom Heavy Meta. Um, sure. And I almost... It's almost interesting because decks like Danaconda, just you know, going further out into left field, are pretty good at dealing with those kind of control decks because they can continually recycle and move around their energies. Um, so you know, it kind of, it's almost like what is the end game here? Is you know, is Danaconda going to come up because people are playing control decks? I don't really think so, but you know, something worth yeah. thinking about. Um, yeah. So I think that's probably going to be one of the main benefactors because I think it has okay matchups against some of the some of the field in general these control strategies but it really can't keep up with adp in most games sure. so i think i'm excited to see if anything can come out of that you know i'm sure like sander <laughs> sander's gonna come up with something crazy um 
but who knows um yeah. and then the other archetype of strategy is going to be just like more one prize attacking kind of strategies um you know we've seen people try and play stuff like spear tomb with capes early on in the format and thinking that was really good um i hesitate to say that i think that has sustainable long-term success because tool scrapper really um really is harmful to the spear tomb strategy um, sure so I don't, I don't know. Spear Tomb is the deck of choice for one prizers, and really, mm-hmm. I feel like the best one prizers in general are the are like the ones that are already being played. So, Lacephalon is already like such a solid strategy in general, mm-hmm. and people are really, I feel like at this point, people are really like grinding down and optimizing how you should be playing Lacephalon, like you know, adjusting the yeah. Cramorant counts and the three prizer counts even. Yeah. So, you know, I hesitate to say that on the one prize front, pe- things will be too disrupted. I think what'll more likely happen is some of these like a little bit slower two prize strategies will benefit. Um, sure. So you know things that I don't even know off the top of my head. Santaconda is like the one I'll keep coming back to, but there's plenty of other like two prize Pokemon that could benefit. The one the one thing that I'm excited about, just generally speaking, no matter what decks end up, um, you know, kind of rising or falling based on this ban, is that we will be able to see a little bit, I think, safer um, and and more um, more calculated gameplay in the sense that a lot of players won't have to worry about Mawile being played anymore, right? Yeah. Mawile is kind of this card that is uh, pretty much solely played in the ADP deck in order to create a situation where you know you can essentially get an auto win uh even if even if you know the the board board presence isn't in your favor right you can just slap it to dene from your opponent's hand down and all of a sudden you open the you know routing up to that you know being able to knock that out and then knock out another two prize pokemon for the win so uh, I'm really excited about losing that element of the <laughs> format. I think more so, more so than losing ADP. I mean, because we all know like the problems that ADP presents, but uh, more so than that, like being able to play a deck and make decisions in advance and not have to worry about having that Dedenne ripped from your hand or having that Crobat ripped from your hand when you didn't want it, but also being able to play around it. You know. Um, you know, being able to play around like if you do need to play one down, right? So <laughs> I'm just really excited about that aspect it which is kind of an auxiliary effect of the adp ban and just what it'll do in terms of uh maybe i don't know helping like a deck i think that really hurts from well all decks really hurt from um mawile but uh something like scent scorch i feel like is a deck that you know really just gets kind of uh handcuffed in the early game where they're trying to you know dig through their deck a little (laughs) bit and then they might just have a hand stuck with uh with the dedenne and that's just never good in that kind of uh, situation. So anyway, really excited about Mawile being gone. Long story short. I did just think of another one prize strategy that I think might benefit. Um, Excadrill, I think, will actually be a pretty big benefactor, especially like if we... Yeah, especially if we anticipate, um, like, Pikaram and Eternatus to stick around mm-hmm. in such high quantities. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, Excadrill really just needs to get over the ADP hump and it just bodies those other decks, right? So, sure, <laughs> I could actually see that being a benefactor. Yeah, that could be really fun. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. It makes you wonder, though. Like, would it? Uh, you know, would something like Colossal have a better matchups now as well? Uh, it, would that be yeah, the deck of choice? For sure. So. Um, another point I wanted to bring up as well 
and this was emphasized in the Limitless uh, write-up, is a lot of people are playing energy, energy disruption. Um, I think the primary two targets of said disruption are ADP and Eternatus. Um, but some of these more one prize kind of decks can kind of hang with Eternatus a little bit better, I would say, than ADP. What do you think is going to be the impact of this change in terms of Crushing Hammer and Yelgrunt's presence in the meta? Sure. I, I mean, you're absolutely right. These one prize decks kind of are forced to play uh, hammers, I guess, unless you're something like Mad Party, which is trying to just do damage. Um, but like if you are an Excadrill, like those things are playing hammers just to avoid that, uh, that alter creation coming down. So, um, you know, it could have some kind of auxiliary benefit. Like I think we'll just see a general decrease in hammers. I still think hammer is a generally good card. I mean, uh, Eternatus, you, you cite as being one of the primary reasons to play, but I also think in like, uh, the peak around matchup for a lot of decks, you know, being able to hammer off an energy early, um, could make some sort of difference in terms of, you know, yeah, I think it's even better against lightning Mewtwo. Yeah, or Lightning Mewtwo. Yeah, that's another great one. Um, yeah, probably even better than Picaram. But um, yeah, it could be one of those kind of auxiliary benefits that we see from, you know, well, Hammer is probably best against ADP. And so if there's no ADP to worry about, maybe those slots can go to something else. So I would say probably not a huge decrease, but certainly I would imagine that it would trend, you know, down. The card being played would trend down. Do you think there's any decks that will suffer from ADP being gone? Like decks that primarily tried to focus in on ADP. That's a good question. I'm, I honestly, I'm not too sure about that. I mean, because you look at what had like a favorable winning percentage against ADP, uh, and they all like all the matchups kind of hover around pretty even from my, um, from my experience, except like maybe Centiscorch is probably a, a negative matchup for ADP. So I'm not too sure how it would affect. Um, yeah, fair enough. And and there might not be anything that like ends up suffering from the lack of an ADP presence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Figured I'd sure. toss it out there. Sure, no, that's a good thing to think about. If anyone has any suggestions you're listening to the podcast, let us know, because that would be kind of curious to explore. So, first take in an ADP-less metagame, what would be the deck that you try out or bring to a tournament? Well, I, I mean, I like... Mad Party a lot is like a deck that I wouldn't normally play that I would feel very comfortable playing in an ADP less format. I, I would feel fairly comfortable playing it in an ADP filled format, but um, just to say like that would be a cool deck uh, that I would feel um, interested, more interested in playing. And then the other deck that I think I would feel more interested in playing would be something like a Rillaboom, where you're trying to engage your opponent with a three prizer to start and then you know like multiple two prizers um and then you also are kind of a clunky deck so you do need your dedene or crobat in that mid game uh and so you're trying to you know have this long game that adp can just really kind of run over if they get the right start and if you have to bench the wrong things and right. so that would be another deck that i would look to to be um you know be something that you know you could reasonably play and um yeah, yeah, I think those are the two that I, I would look into if I if I wasn't going to play something like Eternatus, which I think is probably my favorite deck right now. For sure, for sure. Yeah, you in the boombox, man. You love that. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah, it's really fun. I, I love Double. Um, I love, you know, my boy, Rowling Alone and Executor. So <laughs> anytime I can play him, I will. I'm glad to hear the Mad Party representation, though. I, <laughs> you know, I always stand Mad Partiers. Yep. I yeah. feel like 
Now that I've mentioned it, I actually think Exodrill would be like pretty good. <laughs> it seems good, right? <laughs> like I'm just thinking through it in my head. Cause I feel like Exodrill can hang with a lot of the one prizers and yeah. is one of the best decks at picking off the two prizers on the bench. because uh, it plays all these like you know, it plays the great catchers already just as part of the strategy of the deck and it hits them for weakness. There's no like damage ramping you have to do to hit to kill the, the Denis and the Crobats. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, Pikaram is going to suffer in the face of an Exodrill. It turned his look. I kind of want to try that. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that seems great. That seems great. I'm trying to think of like potential counters to Exodrill. Like, what would be Exodrill's worst matchup? Probably Colossal, I would guess. Uh, if yeah, they get Colossal, up and running. probably. Sure. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> Maybe Mad Party if they can get a first, you know, a first turn knockout, right? Because then you're just not able to trade yeah it probably you know. well well but mad party i, mean, I, guess I think they, mad party plays a lot Denny's, of two prizes right? yeah, so. so it would be like a battle of great catcher draws yeah yeah that's really interesting yeah huh is is excadrill just the busted i don't know i just i want to try it out that's <laughs> that's fair let us know on Twitter, though, if you have any decks that you're excited to try out in an ADP-less metagame and you're not looking to keep them hush-hush until your next tournament. Right, we'd love to hear what you got going on there. Mm -hmm. Be great. Let's segue in, though, to our next topic here, which is, as always, our card of the day. JW found something special for us to bring us yeah. home in 2020. What you got? Well, it's really a whole kind of... I, card of the day would be too too focused because i really <laughs> more want to focus on the artist of the day because they make a very specific style of card okay. and uh these are very unique uh they blend this kind of cartoon element of pokemon with the natural world and i find the cards to be very exciting very interesting and a lot of times these cards there, this artist depicts kind of the basic forms of Pokemon, but doing so in this style, like the the basic, the state, you know, the basic, and then obviously like the stage one or stage two might be a different artist, but they oftentimes depict kind of these weaker Pokemon, but putting them in this setting kind of really um, humanizes it or, or makes it more real for me. And so the artist that I want to highlight and uh, the card that I want to highlight is um, Yuka Mori's Venusaur and Snivy GX. I think this card is beautiful. It's the alternate art for the Venusaur, or excuse me, the promo art for the Venusaur and Snivy GX card. And um, it's just great. It's, she's a clay artist. And so <laughs> makes the models in clay and then puts them into a real world setting. And yeah. I find it to be very interesting, very captivating. And they've been an artist for Pokemon for 20 years. So you can see back, I think their first works were in the Neo series. Um, Shuckle comes to mind for me as a card that I like very distinctly remember from that time. But I just always remember seeing these cards and they're just so unique and so cool with that blend of, of the cartoony clay animation that they already have or the clay uh, style that she already has and then putting it into that you know, real world setting. It's just, it, it's kind of, to me, it's like how I imagine Pokemon actually being, you know, we always have these kind of artist renditions of, of Pokemon in the real world. And they look a little too, they look a little too real. You know, they look a little <laughs> too gruff. And this kind of still has that very distinct separation uh, all while keeping it, you know, in the realm of possibility, I suppose. So I love yeah, that. I love, I love her, her stuff. And, so and love the card. Yeah. My, uh, 
one of my roommates in college actually collected all of the clay cards. So he has a binder full. You just flip through, and it's all the clay cards. They're, they're yeah. so fun. I it's honestly when I think of like Pokemon art, she's probably one of the most iconic like artists. You know, when you think of uh, obviously you think of when you think of Pokemon cards, like base set Charizard is one of the first cards that comes to mind. But when you think of like trends of art, I feel like the clay art is really distinctive and something that I think yeah. of when I think of Pokemon cards. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I just don't, um, I don't know like another TCG that, that has an art like this. And I don't know that it would necessarily, I mean, and maybe there is, maybe there is, I just haven't seen it, but, um, you know, it just so perfectly fits for Pokemon that, <laughs> uh, it's, it's brilliant really. It is. It is. And the Venusaur and Snivy, <laughs> once you said that it was going to be like an artist, I wondered if it was going to be the clay. Uh, <laughs> so and then he yeah. said the Venusaur and Snivy, so it all came together there. Yeah, I don't know. This there's something about the Venusaur and Snivy because I think when I first looked at the card, I actually didn't notice that it was her artwork. Uh, it just like I don't know. Again, it's this kind of thing where it just it's so natural for me. Uh, to look at it and i i don't really know what i thought but like you go back and look at it and it's like wow this is just such a cool um way that they combined the the real world and the clay and it just I, it just it's so seamless that you don't really even think that it's clay right so i guess that's the that's kind of the takeaway that i get from it but uh just a beautiful card beautiful card absolutely well thank you for that jw awesome card of, of the day for us here so Speaking of, you know, X of the X, we wanted to talk about some highlights of the year. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, this is going to be the last episode of 2020. We had a great year for the podcast, not so great year uh, on the whole, <laughs> necessarily, um, you know, for somewhat obvious reasons. Um, yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> to you as well as a listener. Um but we wanted to shed some light on some things that we thought were particular Pokemon highlights in the year of 2020. Um, JW, why don't you kick us off here? What would you say was a you know defining feature of 2020 in like a positive way? Yeah, well, I think that I will say that there have been just a lot of creators that have come out and really started things up during uh, quarantine. I think that's been a generally good thing for the game because our game is very small compared yeah. to a lot of other games. And so the more people that we can have contributing to this, um, to content creation, you know, the more voices we have represented, the more we can draw in new people to this game where they find that they have a home somewhere. And I really think that that's, um, very valuable. So, you know, you look at just, I mean, even looking at, you know, a very like quantifiable, very easy to like count on your fingers, like example would be uh, Pokemon podcasts, which over the quarantine, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, a few crop up, right. And a few more crop up. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's great. Like, again, the more voices that we can have, the more representation that we can have is, uh, is awesome. And then um, the, the uh, the tournament scene has been really interesting, and I would kind of lump that in with just content creation in general because you're creating. I mean, you're creating not necessarily content, but you're creating some kind of product that the community can use, uh, and so that is another awesome thing is just seeing all these new tournaments and new series and uh, relatively like 
I, I don't know, I, relatively maybe unknown or, or under, um, I don't want to say underperforming, but relatively unknown people kind of create something very, very cool. And now all of a, all of a sudden become kind of this, um, you know, this, this force in the community. I mean, you look at like yeah. the Hagster tournaments, you look at like, uh, the chill tournaments, uh, the Crowlow tournaments. I mean, you have all these tournaments that are popping up from people that, you know, I, I had no idea who they were before they started these tournaments. And now they're on, you know, pretty much if you're a competitive player, you're, they're on your radar. So I think that's very cool. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It's been super cool uh, to see everyone kind of come together as a community and bolster each other up in a way, you know, making a scene for ourselves, uh, kind of a grassroots element of it was really cool. Yeah, it's pretty amazing what is happening with some of these tournaments getting, you know, multiple hundreds of people every single like week, multiple times a week, potentially, you know, it's it's pretty wild what, um, like, I just would never have imagined this. If you would have told me that, okay, Pokemon <laughs> is going to go, um, you know, Pokemon is going to go essentially kaput in 2020. If you had told me that in 2019, and you'd have said, what do you think the scene is going to look like if there are no in-person tournaments? I would have said, well, you know, it might be time to find a new game. You know, it might be time to play Magic Arena or something like that. But no, we have, as a community, come together. And, like, you just look through the page here. Um, you know, a lot of people are on break, obviously, for December. But 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, <laughs> 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. That's in the last two weeks. 13 tournaments have had over, you know, 150 players, which is just wild to me i would never have thought that that could possibly happen for sure for sure you know when i first realized that we probably weren't going to have another in-person tournament in 2020 i was legitimately concerned that the pokemon scene would like die as a result you know that we wouldn't be able to sustain having an online only kind of game and you know we'd fall apart and the community really came together and created something awesome for itself yeah, I and I remember those days too because we were like, "Oh man, what what do we do with the podcast?" Like, <laughs> yeah, what what do we talk about? Like, there was a period of time where there was like some pretty legitimate concern that we were just, "Oh, okay, maybe we'll take a a few months off." But um, yeah, it's been it's been pretty wild. Very cool stuff. So, how about for you, Riley? What's been a highlight of 2020 for you in the Pokemon scene? Sure, and I kind of want to take the flip side of that, where I want to say that Pokemon themselves has has done a really good job of supporting the community in this time. You know, they haven't had, you know, the sheer cadence of tournaments, um, but they've had the Players' Cups, which I think has been a really good first step in introducing, like, the true competitive scene, the online frame. Um, and I, they've gotten iteratively better. The Players' Cup 2 was a much better system than Players' Cup 1, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, it's been mm -hmm. super cool to have that, like, actual Pokemon involvement, prize support, um, you get the real casters, the real stream. Super cool. Um, I would also extend that, though. One thing I think Pokemon has done really phenomenally well recently, especially, is their products have been absolutely unreal. It feels like they actually have their ear to the competitive scene. They are building things with the intent of supporting competitive players. You know, you have the Zacian Battle Deck. You have the Trainer's Toolkit. You have yeah. all sorts of resources now available to you to make getting into the game so easy and so much more fun as someone who's trying to get into the game for the first time you know i yeah. i know when i first got into trading card games like the prospect of having to buy all these singles was really intimidating to me you know i yeah. wanted to just buy the products and get into the game that way 
And Pokemon yeah. has opened up the door for someone to do that. Like you can just buy a couple products and you're ready to play the game. Um, one of one of the beautiful things that you know Pokemon has, as opposed to other card games, is this really big you know price difference, right? It is now, yeah. especially with the Battle League decks, just so cheap to uh, to get into. And that's, I mean, it's not to say that you won't have to supplement the Battle League decks. Uh, it, it's not to or League Battle decks. It's not to mean that you know you're going to have like a, a perfect tier one deck or that you won't ever have to buy cards in the future. But just the fact that they are produced, that they are available, um, and that Pokemon is leaning into the cheap like it was already a relatively cheap game when you look at you know something like magic um or even something like hearthstone which i understand has a lot of you know yeah uh that you need a lot of time or, or money to invest into but um it was already a relatively cheap game and now it's even cheaper and i think that's a huge win for us as a competitive community yeah and so i, I guess the point i'm getting at underlying and even the collection sets like the eternity's collection is phenomenal yeah um, there's all sorts of things that are really just make it so easy. Um, yeah. So I, the, what the point I'm getting at is, I guess, is people like to harp on Pokemon a lot for like not caring about the competitive scene and sure. you know balance decisions that they've made. But I feel like at sure. least the people who are able to do stuff for us are trying really hard to do the right things. Um, you know, n not every single employee at Pokemon has the power to ban cards, but they can at least say, you know, let's. Let's print products to make things accessible. Let's have these tournaments to, you know, give people a chance to get into the game. And, you know, I think they've been doing a good job this year. So yeah, it's been awesome to see, like, the extra involvement in Pokemon in the competitive scene. Whereas I feel like in past years, you couldn't say that to the same degree that that was happening. Yeah. Yeah, there definitely has been um, a lot of transparency. And there's been a lot of, like you said, kind of they've shown it in their actions that they do actually care about us. You know, it, it hasn't been, you know, maybe as much as some people want, you know, certainly there's always room to do more, but the fact that it's happening at all gives me a lot of hope for the future. Um, exactly. You know, if they keep like, if they keep releasing these kinds of decks uh, every single year, I mean, we're going to, you know, I, I think Pokemon is just really in a good position if they continue on this current trend. Exactly. Exactly. I agree hundred percent. So overall, you know, the year was definitely stunted. It was definitely not the best year in Pokemon history. But I think we've yeah. made a solid piece of history for ourselves this year as a whole. You know, as a community, we've built something great. Um, and I'm excited to see where that carries us into 2021 and the further future. Yeah. yeah, me too. Me too. I think we're setting some really good groundwork uh, for this next year, like you said. And, and potentially even when... In real life tournaments come back. I mean, it's it's very speculative right now, and I've you know keep hearing <laughs> kind of later and later dates of you know you're you're hearing about the vaccine in America at the very least being rolled out slower than expected, and um, you know and so maybe midway through next year seems very optimistic and potentially not even you know having enough herd immunity until 2021 or 2022. Um, so you know maybe there's a maybe there's a world where the competitive scene in person and online are both like you know as big as they are now and i i certainly can see that i mean the seeds are planted and i think they're very strong and very hardy plants that are being sowed right now and so um you know a world where there is in person and online tournaments with the frequency that we've seen i i think is extremely doable especially as we get more and more and more players entering the scene every day Absolutely. So now is a perfect time for us to transition over 
any questions you have in chat um if you have any questions about you know adp and its impact or what our thoughts are on the year you know, feel free to drop those here we'll answer a couple before we sign off for the day um, yeah. you know overall i i think we had a good run this year all things considered. i think so too yeah yeah i think so too how, how about the podcast how did you think we did this year well i think i think we did well honestly i mean we stayed pretty on top of our game even when we were unsure what to talk about for a couple <laughs> weeks <laughs> it, it always seems that way though it's like there never seems to be uh yeah there always seems to be something we can talk about and it always seems like okay we'll have a we'll have a shorter episode this week and then no it never happens that way always goes you know 45 minutes or an hour <laughs> it, that is so true it's julian asking if i'll stream some more tcgo uh, it's something that i would like to do it's something i think about doing a lot um the only inhibiting factor is just how much I work. Um, so I don't really plug in my like normal computer, um, like the computer would do the podcast on throughout the week. Usually I just leave my work set up throughout most of the week. So it would basically be on the weekends only. Um, so if there's like a good event that I'm in on the weekend, I would definitely consider it. Um, but usually I end up sleeping in too late. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you work so much, Riley, that you got to take a break sometimes. So yeah, I do play TCGO, but usually when I'm playing TCGO, I just want to have like ten minutes to myself and just play Mad yeah. Party, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure, sure. Uh, Cinema Sith, Cinema Sith says that I hope Pokemon releases an expanded toolkit. That's something that we've definitely referenced here on the on the cast again. But um, Riley, what do you think your the likelihood of an American uh, trainer toolkit for the expanded format? would be do you think it's something that is even being discussed do you think it's something that could reasonably be uh implemented i Give think some... it's probably something that's being discussed at the very least i'm um, just based on the you know based on the transparency and the kinds of things we've had released in the past year um it seems incredibly likely that they're discussing something like that um you know, I think the, the big question marks are primarily around like Tropical Beach, right? And how they're going to mm -hmm. handle that. Um, I, yeah. I think Pokemon is more concerned about that than, you know, reprinting an A spec isn't that big of a deal. They've done that before. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the beaches are, are really, I think that's the thing that people want anyway out of this. <laughs> and I'm not sure they know how to handle that. Um, it seems weird. I mean, I almost like, I just never really understood why they went away from beaches as like the world's promo because that seems like a very nice distribution form right where you you're putting a lot of beaches into the sphere but i almost uh, feel like they didn't intend for the world's right. promo to be so good you know i don't think they intended for that and beach was like too good and <laughs> and so they stopped production of it right like that has yeah. me scratching my head i guess i mean yeah it's weird right because you have tropical beach where it's like very thematic right when they were releasing beaches we were having beach themed worlds right where they were locations on a beach um and then when you have you know things like washington dc or things like nashville you know it probably doesn't thematically fit in with that promo but um still i i just feel like there could have been something uh, done with the beaches that makes them still that exclusive it doesn't completely tank the value but also tries to get a few more into players hands so that they're not limited and expanded yeah i mean easy thing is to do like the juniper effect where you can like have a different named card that yeah. can't be played in the same deck or something sure sure absolutely um, but 
you know, who am I to speak for Pokemon in this case? I think that's the the problem is I think that's the thing people really want out of an expanded toolkit in the states, um, and you know, in generally like the West. And I don't know yeah. if Pokemon is able to make yeah. that call. I was going to say that seems like the least um, likely card. Like if we're talking about what would actually go into an expanded toolkit, that seems to me the least likely card to actually make it into. Right. And I think to an extent, they want to be fair to people who like own these beaches and have been to worlds or have, you know, you know, paid yeah. for them in exorbitant <laughs> amounts. Yeah, you know they want to be fair to those people as well um yeah it's, it's yeah, tough and like, right and and i mean again grand scheme of things if we're talking about like comparison values like uh whatever a beach is worth now you know somewhere between what 250 and 400 dollars um you know getting a place out of that like all uh <laughs> a lot of other major card games have that kind of like increased price point for like most of their decks and so when we're talking about like a very niche card for very niche decks in a format that you don't even have to participate in to you know play the game on a competitive level uh there's just you know maybe some arguments as well there for not reprinting uh tropical beach for sure for sure so um gyroscope evie says give me one non-pokemon highlight of the year riley what's a non-pokemon <laughs> i thought you were gonna go first because you read out the question <laughs> Um, I think for me, um, there's probably two that I would call out. Um, one, I, my physical health has been really, really good this past year. I've been very into working out. Um, and I think, I think it's paid off. Um, I'm definitely a, a lot stronger. Um, and I feel a lot like generally better about myself. Still like obviously a work in progress. It kind of always is, but that's been something I've been really dedicated to. Um, and also, in spite of everything, I've made really good friends with one of my neighbors re- in the past year. Um, oh, nice. So I haven't, you know, it's easy for someone like myself who lives alone in an apartment to kind of like really suffer in loneliness. Um, but I, you know, I made a new friend who lives right next to me. And so we're able to, to hang out often, um, and not have to worry as much because we're basically each other's social circle. Um, and, um, also, I've had a really good time, like, online experiences with my friends. I've reconnected with some folks from high school. Uh, we meet on Discord and play video games. Um, so it's been, I think it's actually been, like, a decent year for me on the whole, in spite of everything. Sure. sure. How about you, yeah. uh, It's been, you know, it's been all right. Um, let's see, highlights. I don't know, the YouTube has been a really good highlight recently for me. Uh, it's been super fun. Over the last month, we've had like an increase of 700 subscribers on the YouTube, which I mean, for a Pokemon trading card game uh, channel is like pretty impressive. I, I would say I'm very happy with uh, the direction that the YouTube is going. So that has definitely been a recent highlight. It's been really funny because we were talking a lot, like a month. Like you can very clearly see uh, the date that we were talking about. Oh, you know, I was feeling kind of down with things. And then... Um, pretty much and we talked about it a little bit on the podcast and then um you know going from there that point you see the inflection where it just like <laughs> everything just kind of rose like uh to an un- unreal degree in that you know month and a half or whatever so that's pretty cool yeah you guys should definitely check out jwc2 if you don't already like i, I legitimately watch the videos every day <laughs> um not just because i'm his friend but i think they're fun to watch <laughs> well thank you riley i appreciate that <laughs> 
I'll take one more question before we sign off here, and that's what Pokemon would you like to see get a V in a future set? Do you have you Pokemon wish list? Pokemon wish list, huh? Well, Dragonite, of course. Dragonite, that's v. my favorite. I would really, I mean, I also like um, like a Kingdra. I think Kingdra or Blossom. Those are also my favorite Pokemon, but still, <laughs> like, I feel like they'd make a really epic Pokemon V. I don't know if they have V Maxes. They probably don't because I don't. I mean, they could. But they could, right? Exactly. Like a Kingdra V Max, what would that look like? Maybe the snout like goes out a little bit more or something. I don't know. Or like Blossom V Max. Like, although V Maxes don't have to be Gigantamaxes, right? Like there are some V Maxes that are just the normal Pokemon, but bigger, like Dragapult. Oh, okay. See that, and that's where my um, <laughs> that's where my uh, innocence about the games comes in. Yeah, but I would say those. Yeah, yeah, I would say those. This would be pretty cool. I would love to see, this is like goofy, but I would love to see like an Alolan Pokemon get a V. <laughs> you know, don't don't let them die. <laughs> let them come back. Yeah, so, sure. I don't know, like an Alolan Raichu V would be cool. Or um, <laughs> like an Alolan Persian V would be really funny. Um, like something. Actually, no, I, I, no, I, that seems like, a, seems like a horrible Pokemon. Yeah, but like an Alolan Raichu would be cool. Or, Alolan um, Raichu would be cool, but Alolan Persian, just get that out of here. <laughs> I don't want that energy in my life. <laughs> For sure. Um, I don't know. I would like to see some sort of like older generation callback. Sure. Alolan Ninetales, obviously classic Alolan Pokemon. Um, yeah. Without a fairy yeah. type for the first time, you get a psychic Alolan Ninetales, which would be kind of cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, that would be really cool. So, I think that's my wish list. Awesome. besides just like standard wow. cool pokemon well here it is the end of 2020 in podcast form thank you guys all for being uh, amazing listeners viewers uh if you haven't already and you're listening on uh, your favorite podcasting platform please make sure to leave us a like a review uh a comment even tell us how we did great tell us how we could do better that is something that we read and we take to heart Absolutely. Thank you all so much for the support throughout 2020 and look forward to more tag team content in 2021. Bye, everyone. Yeah, see you, see you guys next year. <laughs>